It's news to us. We're here live on Adobe Radio the week of May 18th, 2020. I'm Eddie. And I'm Jason. I'm Katie. Yeah, coming to you from our quarantine. As that continues, I, I thought that this would be like a funny little bit we did a couple weeks, but it's going on and on and on. I think we need to buckle up for at least a year. It's news to us in COVID-19 quarantine 2020. It continues on. At least a year, I think you're probably right. I think we're going to need to get that uh, updated to say 2021. <laughs> Buckle the fuck up. This is just like the new way of living for a while, and I think that we all have to accept it. Uh, this is just how it is. So. Yeah, it's like we're we're heading more and more towards like the Matrix. <laughs> I don't know. Could we like uh, work together if we were socially distanced? Like... Um, you could come over and broadcast from the bedroom. <laughs> yeah, we could be in separate rooms. I think that would work. <laughs> or if we were outside in a park six feet away. There I you think go. that the CDC does recommend that that is okay. We could make this happen. Yeah. Uh, we've got a good show for everybody this week. Uh, you know, when I say good, this is depressing. Donald Trump has fired four inspector generals in the past uh, six weeks. Is that bad, Jason? Is this uh, it's not good. <laughs> it's not a good sign. If it was before DJT, it would have been a scandal. Oh, if yeah. one of them was fired. <laughs> and then we're also going to talk to Rebecca Parson. She is running for Congress to represent Washington's sixth district. She's going to be joining us here in a little bit. It's news to us. Let's go. Press the button. It's news to us with Eddie and Jason. That's right, folks, from the Excellence in Broadcasting Center. It's an yeah, when am, I, when am I getting my gold mic? I know. How do we get those gold mics? Do you, I don't what, know. what level of shove a dildo up your ass? I don't know. Well, like, that's what I, I'm wondering at what level of douchebag do you have to be at to get one of those gold mics <laughs> like Rush Limbaugh? Well, you can get a dildo there, Amazon Essential. <laughs> you were saying that before the show because there's a, a very important piece of audio equipment that we needed for the show to work technically tonight. We did not get it on time, so we are uh, broadcasting like savages right now. We're a bunch of hobos. <laughs> and, but you're saying that this, because uh, Amazon said it wasn't deemed essential, this little adapter that we needed. But you can really buy dildos as our essential, you said. Was yeah, I saw uh, oh. there was a news story and one of the employees was upset that he was, uh, I mean, and I would be too. He was risking his life to deliver vibrators and dildos when, I mean, like he should be delivering essentials and is that essential? Who's, I guess, who's to say that's you know, not essential? In, in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> I mean, we have to keep people sane while they're at home. So I think... The weed, booze, and vibrators all essential. Essential. Yeah. It's all essential. Condoms. Yeah, absolutely. You got to get off. Perhaps. <laughs> um, but uh, since we're fucking we're, party, we're running a party. We have, yeah. <laughs> on your own. Yeah, on your own, all by yourself. <laughs> I could I could elaborate on that, but since we're short on Please time, do. And, Please we also, do. and we also have a prestigious <laughs> guest on the way. I will avoid the topic any further. Let's, oh, fair uh, enough. Dive into Dirty Deets. The Dirty Deets. An in-depth look at this week's most important stories. 
DJT has fired four inspector generals in the past six weeks. What the hell is an inspector general and why do I care? IGs are nominated by the president and they're confirmed by the Senate. Allegedly. They work they work within agencies that they monitor and their staffs are charged with reporting on government malfeasances and corruption. So they are part of our checks and balances. So you're saying that this might be an important position if you're an inspector general. Yes, they they answer to no one, basically. They're the watchdogs of uh, different uh, agencies within the government. Why well, is, and they're different yeah. that, in that they work within the agency that they're reporting on. Well, why is it that DJT is allowed to fire these inspector generals, and why why has he been doing it? Good question, it's Eddie. It's the way the cookie crumbles in <laughs> our government. The way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> so he's he's been raising a lot of red flags because he's been firing these inspector generals left and right. From my, yeah. uh, my Google research, I saw that Obama fired one inspector general. I couldn't find any more evidence of him firing any others, but this inspector general that he fired was, I guess, confused and disoriented in meetings and was... <laughs> yes. It's not an uncommon thing okay. for presidents to have, like, what, like, within their terms, like, one inspector general that they, you know, at some point in time don't see eye to eye with and get rid of. You know, like it's not uncommon for a president to have an inspector general that they. Act. I think. I think. I think it is uncommon. No, because the idea I is, think is. I think. I think the idea is the inspector general may not see eye to eye, but it's the check for the president. Well, it's it's a check on certain departments of the government to make sure that money's being spent properly, and they're basically auditors. Right, and and the departments are ran efficiently and uh, yeah, appropriately. So it's it's not uncommon for a president to get rid of like one of them at some point in time. But DJT's got rid of six, six in a short period of time. Four, four. Oh, four as of as of right now. It's probably that we know. Of. It's probably yeah, gonna be, we know of. It'll probably be six at some point by tomorrow. But some people are saying that this is a, an assault on democracy because if we don't have these checks and balances, so basically he's getting rid of these inspector generals who go through all four and why. But basically the common thread is he doesn't agree with what they're doing because they are investigating things that he himself is doing, right? Is that the common because thread I'm seeing? they're doing their jobs, yeah. I, I mean, he wants to be an authoritarian, right? Like, he wants, he wants to be like, uh, uh, what's his name in Turkey? Erdogan. Erdogan, yeah. yeah. Or Kim Jong-un. Like, he wants to be like Putin. Shooting, shooting Putin. Shooting, shooting who? He, 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 he wants to he run wants the government. take his shirt off. No, he doesn't. You know what? If he takes his shirt off, it'll look exactly like uh, most of his supporters. If he, <laughs> It's fine. Go ahead. Not, not saying I look any better, though. I really, I, I am getting so fat over here. Next time you guys see me, you're not going to recognize me. Anyways... Uh, oh, you're so vain. <laughs> <laughs> Who's uh, so Steve? Yeah, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Back up, back up. So you're gaining the quarantine fifteen? Oh, easily. Yep, yep, absolutely. 
<laughs> I gained more than 15. <laughs> Is it the drinking? Like, what do you think you're attributing to it? Like, drinking, the eating, like everything. I've been eating. What like are you do- doing differently than you did before being everything? Quarantined? Eating like crap, drinking more. I am not exercising. Why aren't you exercising? Uh, you can still go out and do stuff. I thought you were riding your bike okay. all over the place. I'm, I am riding my bike. Yeah, that's. I take that back. But I'm not doing the kind of exercising I used to be doing. I. It's just. It's just weird. Anyways, yeah, yeah. Well, just, we need, a, we need to get off. you a total gym. I know. No, we need to get me a total gym. <laughs> But Inspector General Steve Linick was fired, and uh, this is just one of four. One of four. What happened was yeah, this he, is the most recent. Steve Linick is the latest uh, Inspector General to be uh, fired from his position. He was the State Department Inspector General, um, and we're hearing reports today that uh, there's a couple investigations that. Uh, DJT didn't really like that he was conducting and almost completed. The f- and uh, Secretary Mike Pompeo, Eddie's favorite, okay. uh, also didn't like him. And what were these investigations, by the way? <laughs> you fired. Oh, wrong button. But it, it, I, I meant to say, <laughs> you, you fired. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Steve Linick. Is that what they did in The Apprentice? You're fired. You're fired. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyways, Steve, <laughs> Steve Linick fired. And he, uh, he was nearly completed. He has nearly completed an investigation into Secretary Pompeo. Yeah. Uh, his approval of billions of dollars in arms sales to Saudi Arabia back in mid uh, 2019. So last year, um, there was a big, uh, big deal about um, DJT's administration circumventing Congress and uh, approving uh, money. Monies. Monies. <laughs> Yeah, so you're in an arms deal with Saudi Arabia, the uh, and so the UAE. His administration was up to something a little shady, and then this inspector general was about to call it out, and he was fired. No, weird. Hmm. Yeah, fired. I mean, I feel like this is like the same storyline that goes along with everybody else that he's fucking fired too. Not just inspector generals. I mean, everybody else he's fired, right? I mean, I yeah. think that he's using the pandemic that we're currently all living through as cover to like really start cleaning house over people that have uh tried to uh that are loyal to him he demands that are loyal and and that showed like uh you know his egregious decisions that he's making yeah um next what's what's the other inspector general the two of four Number two of four, um, Health and Human Services Inspector General Christy Grimm. Uh, it was announced on May 1st that, that DJT was firing her after she she issued a report um, detailing the, the dire straits in uh, America's hospitals, the lack of PPE and preparedness. Oh, well, we know that would have just pushed her out a window. What a pussy! Oh, all right, <laughs> fires her. Right. Oh, what come a. On. What a. I mean, yeah, exactly. What a pussy. After after he fired uh, her, he said uh, the day after he fired her, he said, "Quote: Why didn't the IG who spent eight years with Obama 
Did she report on the failed H1N1 swine flu debacle where 17,000 people died? Want to talk to the admirals, generals, VP, and others in charge before doing a report? Another fake dossier! Yeah. So again, uh, in all the press meetings, DJT was was saying, it was was good. good. I I liked it. In all the press conferences, DJT has been saying, there's no PPE shortage. There's no PPE shortage. And this person was contradicting that. So out, out again, it's very, very rare to fire these people. Inspector generals next. Who's next? Next on the chopping block was uh, general Glenn fine. He actually didn't get fired. He got demoted. So, uh, correct <laughs> He was uh, inspector general of the Department of Defense, and he had put, been put in charge of the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee um, back when the CARES Act was passed, uh, what, a month ago, two yeah, months ago? a month ago. Something like that. Probably two months ago now. Uh, he was originally going to oversee the... Uh, the aid of the two trillion dollars of from the stimulus bill, but before he even got to do anything, DJT fired him because he has a reputation of being a bulldog investigator and Too fair honest. and balanced. <laughs> he has a reputation Too of being. I think he nipped, he nipped him in the butt before he could be a problem. Before he got too honest. But I think you hit the nail on the head when you brought up the point that he was about to oversee the stimulus money and djt he expressed interest himself in wanting to be the personal overseer of that slush fund and yeah. all he wanted all that money to go straight to those trump properties you know yeah. well it is interesting his, to see cronies. um his decision now so um after he ousted the this uh ig he put in charge of the department of defense the the current epa Inspector General. So now this one person is overseeing two different agencies: Department of Defense and the Environment, uh, the EPA. Mm. Man, it just gets. Yeah. And some critics are saying that it was a move because the Inspector General of the EPA was being a little too uh, too hard on the uh, EPA on the. DJT laxing environmental protections, and this might help uh, divert some of his attention from that mm. hard work. Man, it just keeps getting uh, more and more interesting, doesn't it? And when I say that's scary, I mean it's really scary. We, the, the reason why we're bringing this up is because this is not normal behavior. This is the move of a fascist, uh, wannabe fascist that is trying to take over our country. And like, uh, it's a somebody described it as a slow coup. And it sort of is. It, it's, uh, I mean, it's every little thing that this guy's doing undermines our democracy and our checks and balances. And I think every American should be alarmed because if, if Trump can do this, what if you're a conservative and a Democrat is in office and starts doing this? You're going to lose your mind. Nobody should be allowed to do this. No, absolutely not. Uh, Whether last you agree one. Their policies or not, we sh- this should not be allowed. Yeah. Who's the last one on the chopping block? The last one and uh, happens to be the first one out of the series of four was Michael Atkinson, oh, I, who was the intelligence inspector general. Yeah, he was the one who uh, uh, took the whistleblower complaint from the Ukraine scandal back in late summer of last year and uh, 
provided that to Congress. Uh, okay. And that was all the whole yeah. reason for uh, Trump's impeachment. Uh, again, so that's the underlying theme. All these people are crossing or contradicting DJ or going to cross him. Yeah. He, or he, yeah, he anticipates that they're about to. So what do you guys Because we're honest after going through all of this? This is just unprecedented. This is, does not happen. Are you guys, uh, what are you guys thinking about all of this? I think, it, it, um, Trump DJT knows what's happening, right? Like I think there's, uh, I think Adam Schiff on a, an interview over the weekend said that there's a good possibility DJT will be arrested and imprisoned after he leaves office. I mean, it I think, impeachment. I, I think, I think that DJT is starting to freak out. Like if he does lose the office, like what his life will be after prison, he's fucking going to prison. And that is the ultimate one of these. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like so is Bill Barr and so is Mitch McConnell. But I mean, his his whole motive is like, if I remove all the people that might prosecute me, I won't be prosecuted when I'm out of office. It's really it's an act of desperation as uh, more than anything. Here's what you have to do if you don't want to go to prison. Stop breaking the law, asshole. Yeah, right. I think he truly believes that he can like keep himself or his children in office for forever for the rest of his life. I mean, he is Teflon Don. Yeah, like he thinks like, oh, I think I only have like 10, 15 years left to live. I'll just keep myself or my kids in office for the rest of my life. And like, I'll be damned if I live under like President Ivanka Trump. Like, (laughs) hell no. But yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Real question. Quickly. Who would be who would be worse? Uh President Ivanka Trump or President Don Trump Jr.? Mm. I don't I don't even want to No, no, no. Which one's worse? Real question. Uh, Donald Jr. is worse, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think oh, well, we'll, we'll be I back. Be sick just thinking about it. Ugh. Let's hope we never have to get to that point. But when we come back, we'll talk about somebody who's actually running for office and somebody that has a good chance to win. Uh, Washington Democrat Rebecca Parson is running for office for Dem- for Congress, and uh, we will talk to her coming up next. Uh, God bless her. See how her career uh, <laughs> brought her to where she is now, and what she plans to do when she's in office, because we want her to win. Okay. Uh, this show is uh, also fair and balanced, by the way, and non-biased. <laughs> <laughs> I want to put that out there too. We Unless don't... you're a Trump, <laughs> <laughs> right? I th- we're just presenting oh, the fair and balanced. Fuck them. Yeah, fuck Trumps. <laughs> that is a fact. <laughs> what, what good have they ever done? None. Uh, okay, we'll be right back. <laughs> it's news to us. We're back here live on Adobe Radio and uh, welcoming our guest tonight. Rebecca Parson is running for Congress to represent Washington 6th, and she is joining us via Skype. Hello. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Jason is back now. He's uh, Jason, are you there? You're, yeah, I'm here. Okay, Hi. Nice cool. to meet you. You too. We're both doing the show remote right now. You know, it's kind of weird as I think everybody's doing what we're doing, you know, because of the situation that we're in and how are you dealing with everything? 
Yeah, it's, it, it takes getting used to, but I mean, all things considered, I'm pretty lucky. I haven't gotten sick and, um, you know, just running the campaign and working from home and our lockdown here in Washington state goes through at least the end of May and then we'll see what happens. Washington state was hit particularly hard with COVID. Have you known anybody personally? I not personally. I know people who know people who have been affected and gotten COVID. But um, yeah, we it was Washington State and pretty near my district was actually the first place in the U.S. where uh, COVID was confirmed. And then the governor acted pretty quickly to lock things down, have people stay at home, try to flatten the curve, which seems to be working. And he's looking at opening things up slowly, uh, starting hopefully at the beginning of June. Okay. I, to me, that almost seems like I know that that's a con, like uh, just playing it safe, but to me, it almost seems too soon. I feel like we should be waiting. I don't know. That's just me, though. I don't want to leave my house until there's some sort of a treatment or vaccine. I don't know. How do you feel personally? Personally, I, yeah, I agree. And I think. I think New York and Washington, maybe the states that are still on the strictest, you know, stay at home orders and California as well, I think. And a lot of other states are opening quicker, but I don't know. I just, I don't see what has really changed since this crisis and the pandemic first started. I mean, we don't really have uh, tracing. We don't have a vaccine. We don't still have enough tests and I don't think we have enough ventilators. So it's a little bit scary. Well, do you think, yeah. Do you think that the uh, governors and states that are reopening now feel like the economic harm is now beginning to outweigh the you know, personal health of everyone? I, I think that's the reason I've heard a lot of a lot of people giving. But I mean, it's easy for politicians to say when they are not the ones who have to go, you know, make the coffee at Starbucks or work the cashier the cash register at Walmart and put themselves at risk. And I don't know. I just I think if Congress had really done its duty and taken care of people. Um, prioritizing that over, you know, their $4 trillion bailout of corporations that we wouldn't be having this discussion. And it's really a false choice. It's just because of Congress's inaction and unwillingness to help people that we're having to have this discussion. That That is a big part of your platform is helping out people. You have a lot of really cool, uh, really cool ideas. We'll get to those in just a minute, but you know, I, we didn't really get a chance to get to know you much usually when we start these interviews you don't have to go too deep right away but our fault it got you know we talk about covid right away but uh can we ask just a couple of personal questions just kind of get to know you first is that okay yeah definitely um in your in your campaign video there was uh there is a dog is that your yeah. dog <laughs> Is that- yeah, that's my dog. Okay. Um, she's a pug mix. Her name's Augie. Um, she's the unofficial campaign mascot, campaign pug. And <laughs> um, so she had to be in the video. And back before the pandemic, um, my district's pretty large. So I was doing a lot of driving, you know, hours from one end of the district to the other. And I would, was taking her with me as the official campaign pug. So, yeah, that's my dog, Augie. Oh, that's awesome. Glad you're able to bring your dog along. I think, yeah, if I were running for office somewhere, I would definitely have a, my dog with me. Why, and why not? I think everybody should bring the dogs yep. everywhere at all times. Exactly. Uh, so you, you, so you run and operate a small business, correct? And that's um, what you do as a day job leading up to this. 
Yeah, I, I do that. I've been doing that for about five years, and I work from home doing uh, writing, copywriting. So I write sales material for different companies, and I've continued to do that. It is it's take, my income's taking a hit though, because my clients are businesses, and, and businesses are obviously heavily affected by coronavirus. So, well, I would imagine this is a sacrifice just in general because you're having to take time away from what you would normally be doing to go out there and campaign. I mean, that's that's a big sacrifice. How are are you? Okay, are you getting by all right? Uh, it was, yeah, getting by pretty well up until this, you know, pandemic, and it has yeah. been pretty tough. You know, I did get the twelve hundred dollar check, and I applied for a small business loan, and I got a thousand dollar advance, but otherwise, I haven't really seen any help from it. So it's it's been pretty stressful, and I finally did get through to apply for unemployment. The website wasn't working for weeks when I would try to apply. But I did finally get through there, and hopefully that'll be coming through soon because they opened up unemployment for self-employed people and people who are like working at reduced hours. You don't have to be 100% unemployed, so we'll see if I can get some help there. So you're living through current policy while trying to change it. I mean, what do you, what do you think is wrong with what we have right now? Well, the, the policy, I mean, Congress has shown its priorities with this this trillions of dollars for corporations. And then, you know, my opponent, Derek Kilmer, co-sponsored a standalone bill to bail out lobbyists. <laughs> we just, we're in the worst pandemic in 100 years and you're going to co-sponsor a bill to bail out lobbyists. Okay. <laughs> and for anyone who's listening, you know, you may have heard about the lobbyist bailout that was part of the HEROES Act. Um, that's a different thing. So leading up to the HEROES Act, lots of members of Congress were putting forward their own bills, I think, to show what their priorities were to leadership, to let them know what they wanted to work its way into the HEROES Act. And so they did tighten up the HEROES Act a little bit so it can't go as, you know, a little more limitations on lobbyists. But this actually, what my opponent, Derek Kilmer, co-sponsored is a separate standalone bill for the purpose of bailing out lobbyists. And so I see that, and it's like, I'm struggling to get by here and struggling to even get through and get unemployment and you're bailing out lobbyists. Okay. <laughs> it's just, I know. it's just mind boggling. And the airline industry, don't even get me started on that. Giving them yeah. billions and billions of dollars after all of their tax cuts. And they're not supposed to be, at least I thought, um, furloughing or laying people off and they're doing just that. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's just no accountability. I mean, you're, you're really uh, up, uh, you have an uphill battle in front of you. What made you want to take this on? Well, I've been involved with progressive organizing activism ever since college. You know, I um, volunteered as a human rights observer in an indigenous community in Mexico that was under threat from paramilitaries. I then served in AmeriCorps. Um, I've been involved with tenants' rights organizing here in Tacoma, and I sit on the Tacoma Commission on Disability. So I'd always been interested in, in you know, acting, you know, getting these some of these progressive policy, you know, values that we have, getting them into place. But after the 2016 election, you know, I, I had always voted and paid attention to politics, but I wanted to get really more actively involved um, with that election. And then I joined my local Indivisible group. I co-led that for a year and a half. And it just got to be so frustrating contacting our representative and having 
you know, a Democrat, the seat has been Democratic for 55 years, and then him, you know, responding, not willing to take a really strong stand to defend policies we needed, like healthcare, him not being willing to uh, support stuff that I believe in and that progressives and people across the district believe in, like healthcare for all with single-parent Medicare for all or the Green New Deal and a federal jobs guarantee. And I thought, you know, he's the 11th most conservative Democrat in the House in a seat that's been Democratic for 55 years. It just doesn't make sense. There's no reason for him to be so conservative. And that's what really um, had me start to think about it. Then when we had the 2030 climate deadline, you know, we've got to take really big, bold action to get the economy over to renewable energy by 2030 to avoid the worst effects of climate change. Then that's when it became very urgent for me. And people ask me, why didn't you start with something smaller um, and work your way up to Congress? And it's because, well, if I went the traditional route of starting with these smaller seats and working my way up and you know, getting the party's quote-unquote permission to run for Congress, we would be past 2030 by then. And my opponent, Derek Kilmer, um, takes oil money. He's made it very clear that he will not support the Green New Deal. And so for me, it's like I, I need to run somebody needs to do this. Nobody else is stepping forward to do it in 2020. So I'm going to run because we have this deadline. And then also across the district, I mean, people we have in my district, the top two counties in Washington state for um, opioid related deaths. And my opponent takes money from the, the lobbying group for the companies that caused this crisis. Our attorney general in Washington state is suing the companies because of that. And so it's like, we, we've got to act because people are, are literally dying waiting in line to get drug treatment they don't they don't have access to it so it was some of these issues that really made me decide to run um in 2020 well, good for you. I mean, that's that's a really good reason. I feel like we should all stand up and and want to uh, do this and get involved and in a big way. Why not? I mean, it's our country mm-hmm. too. Damn it! Just because you didn't uh, go the quote unquote proper route of uh, going city council, mayor, and then working your way, who cares? Your yeah. voice is just as important as everybody else's. At least that's what we're told. So why you could be president or a member of Congress or a, a, a mayor of a city. Who cares? I mean, we're all Americans trying to, you're trying to make things better for everybody. We need more people like you. Yeah. Um, Thank you. And I mean, it's the house is supposed, it's the people's house. It's we're supposed to have, you know, the representation of everyday people there. And so many people look at Congress and see how dysfunctional it is and really can't stand politicians. Like, why do we want more people who have been playing the game, following the rules, you know, buttering up themselves in their career? Like, that's not going to change the problem. We need something different to change it and to, to fix the problem. And so... And, and, you know, even that, like Obama, you know, he didn't have, have much experience. He was barely a senator when he decided to run for president. And people don't have a problem with that now. So, yeah, um, I think it's really time for, for new people in Congress. I think that just holds people down to say, you know, you should have gone the proper route. And it just puts up roadblocks. It, it's unnecessary. And for anybody to fall for that, uh, I feel bad if they do. And I'm glad that you have it. Is it true that you are out funding and out fundraising your uh your opponent i thought i read that well, he's out fundraising me but i have um raised more than all of his opponents in the last three cycles combined okay. and so it's definitely the strongest challenge he's ever faced you know before him we had norm dix who was in office for 30 years and then when dix decided to retire he uh you know was 
he was friends with Gilmer and been building that relationship for a long time. He picked Gilmer as the person he wanted to succeed him. No Democrats ran against Derek Gilmer. Gilmer won. Dix handed all his lobbyists off to Gilmer, and we just continued the status quo. So mm-hmm. it's really time for for some for somebody new and a real challenge, and we are giving that to him. And I know that we are because he uh, ran a poll a couple months ago. We received um, several different reports about it of a pollster calling voters and asking, among other things, do you disagree or agree with the following statement? Derek Kilmer is a corporate sellout, and it's time to let another Democrat lead. <laughs> so, oh, wow. um, I think we have him worried, which is good, because yeah. not only is he such a conservative Democrat, but he's chair of the New Democrat Coalition, largest Democratic caucus in the House, major fundraiser. They control money. They control policy. I mean, if you want to take somebody out, he flies under the radar. But, you know, if you're listening to this and you want to defeat somebody who, who has a lot of power without getting a lot of attention for it, um, um, it would be Derek Kilmer. Mm. Yeah, we haven't heard too much from this guy. I'm just thinking about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and your primary is coming up early August, so it's important that you get the word out. So, I mean, uh, you're, you're, how are you doing that right now? I mean, it's just got to be so hard. But you seem to be doing all right. Yeah, it is. It's definitely different with um, you know being under shelter-in-place orders and even before we had the official orders, I suspended canvassing and was the first congressional campaign in the country to do it because we were so close to the first outbreak, the first confirmed outbreak in the U.S. And I just didn't want to put anybody at risk, both the canvassers, and I wouldn't want somebody, you know, knocking on the door of a senior and then later they're asymptomatic, but they pass it on. I mean, it was just a nightmare. So I suspended canvassing and to get the word out, we're doing a lot of phone banking and um, instead of canvassing and going door to door if anybody wants to volunteer um, feel free to do that you can do it from anywhere in the country so we're doing a lot of phone banking um, Facebook ads I'm working on really building up my Twitter presence I have more Twitter followers than Derek Kilmer that's pretty cool I'm reaching a lot of people there Um, also doing town halls and um, like live videos and as much as I possibly can to reach people I think we might start radio ads soon cool well good luck to you yeah it's all it's all about you know when they say start local and look local start there really is what it's all about because you have like a, you have a legit chance to actually get in there and unseat this guy. And you're just somebody with an idea. I mean, you have, you have, you're very qualified in my opinion, but you're just somebody who decided to do something. You're, uh, you're you're like any one of us and you're just like, Hey, I I think I want to get out there and make a change. And I think it's a positive change for the democratic party overall, because the uh, we've just seen a lot of a lot of just weird stuff come out of the conventions and don't, don't even get us started there. But <laughs> yeah, and I agree. I mean, anybody listening to this and, you know, you're impacted by the policies like you're worried if I get coronavirus, will I even be able to afford treatment or, you know, how much longer is the unemployment going to last? And then what will I do if it ends before I get a job again or you know, what the $600 a week goes away and then we're back to what the state provides for unemployment, which for most people is not enough to live on. I mean, you're, you're being faced and these policies are impacting you directly in your life. And, um, you know, it's been pretty disheartening to see what's happened over the past couple months with the Democratic Party and how they're protecting their own. But, you know, anybody listening to this who's being impacted by these policies, you absolutely have the power to, to do something about it and, you know, run locally or, or help people running. Um, because everyday people really have a lot more power than the, you know, the, the corporate media and politicians would like us to believe we have. 
Well, for example, you're proposing $2,000 per month to Americans during COVID-19 and then continuing universal basic income after that. But, you know, there's a lot of people that disagree with universal basic income and they say there's no way that's ever going to happen. You're just going to you're going to make people not have any motivation in life. They're just going to be lazy bums. That's always the conservative argument, which I don't agree. Mm-hmm. But uh, do you really think it's realistic to eventually have a universal basic income? I do. And I think, you know, a lot of credit needs to go to Andrew Yang for bringing it into the discussion and for making people talk about it. And uh, it, what's interesting is coronavirus is really scrambling politics as we know it. Early in the crisis, we were actually seeing uh, Republican politicians propose things that were more progressive than what the Democrats were proposing. And they were proposing universal basic income, 2K a month, funding payroll 100%. And so I do think, especially in a time like this of crisis, where it makes a lot of stuff go up in the air. And we as you know, progressives, as liberals who like want to change, we can see that and, and try to do what we can to take advantage of it to help as many people as possible. Like so much is up in the air right now. Why don't we try to to grab it while we can, this opportunity, and try to get these policies through? Because even you know, Medicare for all a few years ago uh, seemed kind in the sky, and universal basic income wasn't really talked about much beyond you know you know certain blogs or Reddit or you know certain circles of the internet, and now lots of people know what it is so i think things can change uh, really quickly yeah i mean it's almost like uh these republican ideals just don't work in the real world is what we're seeing in my opinion uh but that's just how i see it i don't know but you know with with covid19 going on there's just so many different aspects to it and let's talk about locally there do, when you're uh walking around or in the grocery store when you, you know, as little as possible, of course, do you see everybody there wearing face masks? And if not, I mean, how should people be wearing face masks everywhere? How, how would that even be enforced? Do you think maybe that should be some legislation somewhere or, or what's your opinion on that whole thing in general? Uh, when I go out, I do wear a face mask, and I, I see a lot of people not wearing them, and almost you know fewer wearing them now than maybe a few weeks ago, and I, I think it's dangerous because. Um, yeah, people can be asymptomatic and sure, like a cloth face mask is not going to protect you as much as a medical grade face mask, but, um, it's better than nothing. It does protect you and you can also be asymptomatic and pass it on. It protects other people. And so I really do think people should be wearing face masks. I think instead of trying to do some kind of punitive thing and, and, punishing people, finding them, that kind of thing, that the government, the federal government should instead um, provide the money or the face masks themselves to every single person in this country. You know, if we want to make people able to do something, we need to give them what they need to make it happen. So send everybody masks. Oh, but that's that's socialism. That's socialism. (laughs) I mean, you had a Twitter troll today when we posted that you're going to be on the show calling you a socialist. Uh, I mean, how do you respond to that? And is that a bad thing? I don't think it's a bad thing. And I am a democratic socialist. And what that means is that I want political democracy and also economic democracy. I mean, I'm sure 99% of people listening to this, definitely for me, 
We have had a boss where they made irrational decisions. They seemed to care more about their career. You know, things would change from one day to the next. You're required to do things that are nonsensical, don't make any sense. And it's like, sorry, it's company line. You have to do it. And it's like, that's why, you know, or um, CEO is deciding to offshore companies. Like what I want, what it means to be for me to use that term is that I want people to have democracy in the workplace. Like you should be able to vote on stuff that happens in your workplace. And if the company having financial troubles you shouldn't come into work one day and it's like hey everybody you're all laid off and we're offshoring to china like no you should be able to have a vote and get a look into the finances see what's going on have some say in what's happening and like a stake in in your life every day where you spend you know 8 a.m to 5 p.m or, or longer every single day i think that you should have some democracy there yeah, I mean, I, I think that sounds really good on paper, uh, but what about the counter argument is if you don't like your job, just get another one. <laughs> because the same thing just happens at the next place. Like, that's a big part of the reason that I started working for myself was I just really don't like working for these large corporations where it's like, you've got to say the script, you've got to tow the company line. It doesn't make any sense. Like I remember being on, um, you know, quarterly conference calls where, you know, the, the guy in Denver was giving us his presentation and he was using literally the same slides that he used in the last quarterly meeting. I'm like, you're telling me nothing has changed in the last three months. You're using the same PowerPoint the same talking points like come on you know and so it's like i can just go get another job and have you know probably the same stuff or i can work for myself and have some kind of say but working for yourself comes with risks and it's that you know income is more precarious there isn't as you know i don't get i have to pay for all my own health care pay for 100 percent of you know my social security so it's expensive and i think it would be nice if instead any job you went to you knew that at least you'd have some say in what's going on in your workplace you could join a union and the the boss or you know the owner of the company couldn't just fire you on a whim or like from one day to the next the company strategy changes and you like get whiplash because these irrational decisions are being made from one day to the next so that would be my response is like I don't think you enjoying your work and like having a good income should be dependent on the whim of a boss and just getting lucky and having a good boss it should be you know part of our society and the way it's structured I'm really impressed that you pay attention to PowerPoint presentations enough to uh, point out that discrepancy between quarters. By the way. <laughs> um, I did. It was very sad and boring. <laughs> <laughs> As your Twitter bio says, the planet is burning. People are dying. The time for hypocrisy is done. That almost reads like the voiceover for an action movie. And mm-hmm. it almost, but it's true. It's so true. And the, what you're saying there is not exaggeration. And uh, to the people of Washington 6th District, Rebecca Parson, look for her on the upcoming primary. Uh, the deadline, or the, uh, it's August, what, 3rd? August 4th, yeah, first Tuesday in August, and yeah, vote for me, it's a top two primary in Washington State, which means all Republicans, Independents, Dems, Green, anybody who runs, Um, in my election it happens to be four Republicans, me, and the incumbent Democrat, so we all run against each other um, in the primary, and then the top two go through to the general, Um, but if you're from another state, um, go to RebeccaForWA.com, you know, sign up to volunteer or donate, because we could really use your help, no matter where you live. Yeah, and, and this uh, seat does affect the entire country, as they all do. So uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. We appreciate it. Good luck. We'll keep an eye on your campaign. And uh, absolutely, on Election Day, too, we'll be looking out. And uh, we hope that you'll join us again sometime. Yeah, thank you so much. I'd love to. 
Cool. Thanks a lot. Well, you have yourself a good night. All right. Is Jason still alive? That's the question. I am still alive. <laughs> I had several questions, but I kept getting ignored. You weren't raising your hand. I raised my hand several times. Oh, I'm not seeing it. Do you see mine? You, you have to keep it raised. Why are you raising it and turning it off? Because I want to see if you see it. I you have, have so to, many good You have questions. to keep it on. I just gave up. You have to keep it on. I did keep it on. It was on for like five minutes. Uh, we have to figure out. Uh, we have to figure out a better system. I'm thinking webcams next week. Oh, that's fair. It's just so hard, remote. It's so hard. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I it's just okay. figured either there's a technical problem question, or yeah. I'm going to pose my question for our listeners and for you, Eddie. I want to, I want you to answer it. So you got, you know, she was talking about like you know incumbent, you know, the seat that she's running for has been democratic for 55 years or something like that. Like, and you know, the person she's running against has been in office for a while. Like, and we hear about like these new candidates proposed, you know, when people are first running for an office, they talk about term limits and, but like, really, do you think that if we enforce term limits where people don't worry about the next election, but they can only have, they can only serve in Congress two terms, do you think that Congress would be more effective? I absolutely do. I don't know about you, but I, I do. I feel like it would be more effective because people wouldn't uh, be beholden to the special interests, as they say. Me and too. Why can't that be a thing? Like, why isn't that being talked about more? Because fucking to, I, Congress, yeah. like the last 15 years, has done nothing. You're right because you get these you get these uh, these uh, these a holes. They get there, they sit there, they don't do anything, and they get comfy. That's what they do. They're like, oh, yeah. comfy. They get fucking rich. They like, get complacent. They get it's rich, so just sitting on their asses doing nothing. Right. Meanwhile, people are dying, and the the our society changes. That's what it is. It's just this constant change. And if you don't have people keeping up with that, uh, then it, it becomes a threat to their uh, well being. So I think that term limits, yeah. It has to be yeah. talked about more. That has to be like one of the biggest issues I have anymore is fucking people that serve more than two terms. I'm over it. And why do these people keep getting voted in? Because they have money behind them. They have you know, all these corporations spending money to get them reelected. Like it's a fucking dirty cycle and I'm sick of it. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Fair and biased. Uh, unbiased. Fair, fair and biased. <laughs> that should be our slogan. Fair and biased. I love it. Okay. <laughs> we'll be right back. All right. Yeah. We're back here on It's News to Us. Um... Yeah, what else do we have to get to tonight? I guess if you get COVID-19, you should know that you shouldn't have sex. What? Did you Have you heard this yet? Why would you say that, Eddie? So, in fact, you're supposed to avoid having sex for 30 days. 30 days if you get COVID, apparently. After your first symptoms or after you test positive or after you test negative? Avoid sex for 30 days 
after COVID-19 a month after getting it is what it says a month after getting over it. I don't know. Apparently there are uh, trace amounts of, of uh, the, uh, the COVID in the, uh, in the mail, uh, in the mail stuff. It's called semen. Okay. Oh, you're so immature. <laughs> you can't say semen. <laughs> All right, whatever. Yeah, apparently it, it, there is. So that's one of these things that we're learning about COVID that we didn't know before. It, it, it just, it, I mean, we don't know anything about this shit. Like, <laughs> like no shit we're learning more because we knew nothing about it. Yeah. But there you go. I, I, yeah, what? You uh, see, that's ridiculous. You know, I was having a conversation with my uh, uh, grandpa today, and it was like we started getting a little heated. Like, he's like trying to weaponize this virus to take down Donald Trump. And I'm like, the fuck are you talking about? It's not just affecting America, it's worldwide. So, you're saying. That China developed and weaponized a, uh, a, f- a virus that would affect the entire world economy to take down Trump. And he said yes. Really? And I don't know what to say to that. I was like, come on. How do you even... I don't even know how... That's no reason to me. I don't even know how to... That's a conspiracy theory. I can't well, argue with that. Is. I can't argue with a conspiracy theory. Sorry. Well, that's how I. Uh, oh man, I love him, but damn it, he's been sucked into the Fox News or whatever the, bullshit that the came Fox from. Hole. Oh yeah, I went. Yeah, I kind of. I was like, stop watching Fox News. I mean, how do you? Yelling. How do you even? Um, how do you reach these people? I don't know that you can. Right. I, I mean, I know I, some people that have broken like the like the virus of djt if djt is a virus and they've have, you know finally broken out of that sickness you know people who have i are starting to break yeah that's interesting because yeah. there's still you know people saying that covid is a democratic hoax and you know tell that to the millions of people around the world who are infected by it like why the hell it's so stupid. It's all dumb. It's all idiotic. Just listen to science. Why why don't we like science anymore? What happened to that? Facts. Science. I just had to yell at Kenzie. <laughs> well, we can wrap it up there. Unless you have anything else. Well, we're... We're having bacon cheeseburgers for dinner, and she just came up and oh. stole a piece of bacon. Oh, what? How dare she? You can't do that. <laughs> Poor little girl. I better go. I need to make dinner. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's the end of it. We will see everybody next time on It's News to Us. Bye bye. Be safe. Appreciate it very much, Tim Apple.